0: Most Americans are supportive of the, de- of the decision to leave, uh, but they are uh, very disappointed in how it was handled.
1: I don't think we're ever going to completely get rid of it at this point. Not until we have a real breakthrough in a vaccine type or a real breakthrough in some sort of a treatment. This
2: issue, abortion, is not settled. It's clearly not settled. After 48 right. years of dealing with Roe versus Wade and the abortion issue, um, it's very, very divisive.
0: You're listening to Podsui, the week's top stories served a la carte. Subscribe at thegreatvoice.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The U.S. military completely cleared out of Hamid Karzai International Airport in Afghanistan, Monday afternoon Detroit time, effectively ending America's longest war, turning the country over to the Taliban. WJR senior news analyst Chris Renwick appeared on the Mitch Album show with Steve Courtney minutes
4: after the final plane took off. A commander of the United States Central Command, General Kenneth McKenzie, talks about the number of Americans, Afghan civilians, and allied forces that have been
5: extracted. U.S. military aircraft have evacuated more than 79,000 civilians from Hamid Karzai International Airport. That includes 6,000 Americans and more than 73,500 third country nationals and afghan civilians
4: speaking to reporters this afternoon general kenzie mckenzie rather says this is a significant step as we approach the 20th anniversary of the
5: events of 9-11 tonight's withdrawal signifies both the end of the military component of the evacuation but also the end of the nearly 20-year mission that began in afghanistan shortly after september 11th 2001
4: now, over the span of those nearly twenty years, General McKenzie says we brought the mastermind of the terror attacks on that horrific day to justice. We also spent a great deal, and he isn't talking about the dollar spent in the conflict.
5: It's a mission that brought Osama bin Laden to a just end, along with many of his Al Qaeda co-conspirators. And it was not it was not a cheap mission. The cost was two thousand four hundred and sixty-one U.S. service members and civilians killed, and more than twenty thousand who were injured. Sadly, that includes thirteen U.S. service members who were killed last week by an ISIS-K suicide bomber. Now, the final withdrawal today meets the requirements set by the Biden administration
4: and the Taliban to work with all U.S. forces and withdraw from Afghanistan by August 31st. General McKenzie also says the ISIS threat to withdraw the operation was very real until the very last plane took off. He said there was overwhelming U.S. air power circling overhead in an effort to prevent further attacks. Now, although Uh, Although many Americans have been uh, airlifted out of Afghanistan, not all Americans have been evacuated. The General and the White House say there are still Americans on the ground in Afghanistan who want to leave but remain in the country. While White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was unable to give an estimate on exactly how many Americans remained in the country, the State Department says it's below 250 Americans that are still on the ground in Afghanistan at this hour. And Steve, one final note to, to remember here. The president had mentioned just last week uh, or perhaps even the week before that any American that wanted to get out of Afghanistan was going to get their ticket punched to get out of Afghanistan. That has not been the case so far. There
3: are still up to 200 Americans and Afghan allies reportedly stranded in Afghanistan. So how has the Afghanistan pullout affected Joe Biden's approval rating? According to 538, the president's approval rating stood at 52.7 last month and dipped to 47% soon after the attack on the airport in Cabal. Does this put the Democrats at risk for 2022 and 2024? Kevin Dietz spoke to Dave Dulio, political science professor at Oakland University, and Guy Gordon, had veteran political analyst Bill Ballinger, editor of the Ballinger Report. It's not a sinking ship yet,
0: uh, but if we think about you know what the public is looking for— uh, they want a government that works well, that is effective and efficient and, and competent. And when most Americans look back, and this is in the polling data that's, that's out there in the last week or so, when most Americans look at the way this was executed, they see mismanagement and they, they see uh, poor execution. And that's what's got them angry about how... The United States left Afghanistan. Uh, most Americans are supportive of the de- of the decision to leave, uh, but they are uh, very disappointed in how it was handled.
6: Yeah, the, and, the, and the numbers are not just sliding; they're bad on Afghanistan for President Biden. They're they're, they're problematic, um, and uh, I, I just I, I'm just curious. Can Joe Biden move on to other issues because you know I I look at when we're putting the show together and there's a lot going on in the world but I don't know how to start this show without talking about the Americans who are still stuck in Afghanistan to talk about the thousands of allies who are still stuck in Afghanistan I I mean can Joe Biden change the subject? Well, I, he's
0: going to try, right? And and I and I think you're right uh, that that uh, that that's the other thing that that maybe the most pointed thing, not maybe, it is the most pointed thing that I think a lot of Americans are are looking at when they see the the poor execution of this. They they look at it and say, how could we possibly leave uh, between 100 and 200 people uh, in Afghanistan? Uh, These folks that wanted to leave, couldn't get to the airport, couldn't get on an airlift. uh, How can we do that to those folks? And, you know, the president can try to move on, but his political opponents aren't going to let him, and God forbid something happens to, to one of those families, to one of those people in Afghanistan who's, an, who's a U.S. citizen who's trying to get out. Um, then he, if something happens to those folks, he's in real trouble.
6: Yeah, and September 11th, right around the corner, it's just it's so frightening and awful to even consider something like that happening, but it, it's hard not to think of it as a, a possibility. Um, what do you think Republicans do next? Do they ask for a resignation? Do they uh, uh, insist on investigations? Uh,
0: some have already called for a resignation. Uh, some have called for impeachment, uh, and, and they're not going to get it, obviously, um, and, uh, because Republicans don't control either chamber of Congress, they're going to have a hard time doing the kind of investigation that they would like to do. And it, because uh, Democrats are in control of committees and they're the committee chairs. So, so they will control any investigation into the, the Afghan withdrawal that, that does come of it. Uh, but that won't stop them from uh, going on cable news from, uh, messaging to their constituents, to you know, doing all they can uh, to contrast their view with that of the president.
6: And is all of that pointing towards the midterms? Uh, there, you know, they're still uh, a year away, uh, but uh, that time will will come. Uh, you know, people are constantly running uh, for for Congress.
0: Uh, no no doubt about it. <laughs>
7: When your enemy or opponent is in the process of destroying himself, don't intervene, don't get into it, stand aside, hold their coats and let them destroy themselves. So I think the Republicans got to be very careful not to overreach and overreact and try to exploit what's going on with Joe Biden and the Democrats right now. I think the Republicans would be well advised to step aside, be relatively quiet. I think the one thing they can do that everybody would applaud is stand up for the idea of getting the remaining Americans out of Afghanistan who right. are still there who want to get out and stand up for our servicemen and our veterans and constantly pound away on support for the troops and veterans and the military and anybody in Afghanistan who is still suffering as a result of the Taliban takeover. And for that matter, they can also, the Republicans, be hard on accountability for the Taliban and how they conduct themselves. We're hearing all this happy talk about the Taliban has changed and they're going to be cooperative and they're not going to be the terrible people we remember from two decades ago. Well, let's see if that's really the case. And if it isn't, the Republicans ought to remind everybody, well, guess what? right uh, joe biden and his administration told us that wouldn't be the case and it is
8: yeah and what's your best advice for a vulnerable democrat in a congressional district do you distance yourself from president biden's handling of this
7: well i think you don't distance yourself from the way his withdrawal from afghanistan was handled you may try to support his idea that it was time to get out of afghanistan a decision which In all fairness, Donald Trump originally made Joe Biden simply stuck to it, and then he botched the execution of the withdrawal. So I think Democrats realize public opinion is on the side of the U.S. disengaging from uh, Afghanistan. But beyond that, I don't think there's much that any Democrat should try and do to defend Joe Biden. If they do, I think they're asking for a heck of a lot of trouble.
3: The Supreme Court decided not to block a Texas law that would make abortions illegal after six weeks and offer financial incentives to anyone who would out medical providers who would do so. Guy Gordon got reaction from both the pro-life and pro-choice sides of the argument with Genevieve Marnin legislative director, Right to Life Michigan, and Barb McQuaid, former U.S. attorney under President Obama.
2: They, they really just did, did what the Supreme Court kind of does a lot, and that is they, they kick it back down to the lower courts, to, for the lower courts to make their decision. And, you know, I, I think people have this idea that every single case that gets asked to be heard by the Supreme Court is heard, and that's just not true. So they're letting it play out in the courts the way that they do, and and we will wait and see what happens with regard to that. Um, Because right now, it's still in the district court, right? Right. And it's still got to work its way through the courts. So, in other words, stay tuned.
8: So it is interesting some of the hyperbole on both sides. I mean, so others, and I really appreciate your objectivity on this, because some are saying, you know, this is this is the beginning and the end of Roe v. Wade, and there's uh, victory dances in the streets. Others are saying, well, this shows you what you get when you have a, a, a conservative court, and it's time that we start expanding the court. Um, what do you think the political fallout will be if it isn't a landmark decision, uh, might it ignite, um, you, you know, uh, an excess of enthusiasm on the, on the part of liberals to overturn a lot of the things that constitu- uh, conservatives have done?
2: Well, Guy, you know, this issue, abortion, is not settled. It's clearly not settled. After 48 right. years of dealing with Roe versus Wade and the abortion issue, um, it's very, very divisive, and people are feel very strongly about this on both sides. Uh, I think that the Texas case is definitely um, test ground, if you will, um, but we also have to you know, not forget that the Supreme Court already kind of stirred a firestorm when they accepted the Dobbs case, the Mississippi 15-week ban. So that's on the docket currently. That is one that the right. Supreme Court has actually agreed to hear, and one which some people are suggesting may be the case that overturns Roe versus Wade, and, does, and sends the decision back to the states. I think that's another misnomer people have, that, oh my gosh, as soon as the, the Supreme Court overturns Roe, abortions are illegal all over the United States. That's just not right.
8: true. So my analysis of the Texas law, and please feel free to correct this armchair attorney if I'm wrong, but uh, the the, the law basically puts activists or the general citizens into the position of being the law's enforcers, kind of deputizing them to call out uh, abortion providers in civil court with lawsuits, even offering bounties up to $10,000. I guess one of my concerns that I have, when you incentivize something like this financially, does it raise the prospect or the probability of false charges and dishonesty?
2: Well, Guy, you know, I'm an armchair attorney myself. I'm neither a legal scholar, (laughs) uh, so it's one armchair attorney to another. Welcome to the club! uh, Okay. So, so my reading of it, it was not so much that they're quote deputizing the public as much as they're saying this: we're not criminalizing abortion. C- abortion is not going to be; um, nobody's going to be held uh, with regard to felony charges, misdemeanor charges. No one's going to lose their their license over this. Is simply allowing for civil course of action, which we have in statute all over the place. Um, yeah, you know, murder murder is a crime, but you can also have a civil suit for wrongful death. So it's it's just kind of parsing out the fact that citizens still have a right for civil litigation in these cases, which I have not seen done before in any of the statutes uh, regarding abortion. So I thought it was very clever on the part of uh, Texas.
9: The, the law on its face violates the current precedent, Roe v. Wade says that the state cannot abridge a woman's right uh, to choose and and, end a pregnancy um, after or before uh, uh, 22, 23 weeks when the the fetus becomes viable. The new Texas law says that um, as you said earlier that that number has now been set at six weeks that um, no pregnancy can be uh, ended after six weeks. But instead of making it state actors, which would be clearly illegal. What the statute does instead is delegates that authority to individual citizens to uh, report and file lawsuits against people that they find to be violating, not the women, but anyone who is assisting them, a doctor, a caregiver, uh, or other people who, uh, quote, aid or abet uh, the provider who ends the pregnancy. I I think that on its face, on the substance of that, that can't stand. But in the meantime, Um, because the court failed to take any action to stay uh, the effectiveness of the law while it considers this lawsuit until it does unravel all that, which could take many months, um, the law is in effect. And so it it is preventing abortions in the state of Texas in violation of the precedent of Roe versus Wade.
8: Well, and, 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 and I understand that. And I think from a women's rights standpoint, I can understand why that's very alarming. But in in just the sense of how they did this and how they avoided this judicial review, we don't have the normal guardrails of warrants here and judicial review that we might have in a criminal case. You've got up to a ten thousand dollar bounty for turning someone in. Does that set a new kind of precedent, precedent that could lead to unforeseen consequences?
9: Yeah, I mean, I think if you you know take it if it's if it were to be successful, for example. You might see um, people in another state that is opposed to, say, gun rights, uh, pass legislation that says it's illegal to possess any gun. Now we all know that that violates Supreme Court precedent in the Second Amendment, which says that we have an has been interpreted to I mean we have an individual right to bear arms. Um, but we're not going to have the state enforce that law. We're going to say private citizens can bring lawsuits if they catch somebody with a gun. They'll file a lawsuit. They get a ten thousand dollar reward for doing that, and the state has clean hands. There's nobody in the state who's doing this, so there's there's no state actor uh, to sue to enjoin this. So I think it's the same kind of thing. And regardless of what your issue is, if you care about uh, reproductive rights, or if you care about gun rights, or whatever it is, I don't think right. a state can circumvent its own responsibility by delegating it to a to the private sector. And that's why I think in the long term, I think that this effort in Texas is likely to fail. But I think in the short term, it means that every minute that goes by, there are constitutional rights that are being violated. And it's regardless of how, how you personally feel about abortion rights, it's on the books until it's not. And there is a case before the court this term on the non-shadow docket, the traditional docket, a case called Dobbs out of Mississippi, where the court is going to consider uh, a, a right. challenge to Roe about whether 15 weeks can be um, uh, the the. the the ending point uh, after which you cannot have uh, an abortion lawfully. And, you know, that's the proper forum for hearing that. And I think the part of this that offends lawyers who, you know, certainly care a lot about process is that uh, I really um, thought that what Chief Justice Roberts wrote in his um, dissenting opinion uh, just the other day is You know, no doubt there are procedural complexities in this case because it's so unusual, and it's going to take some time for that to work through the courts to untangle that. But in the meantime, what we usually do is we preserve the status quo. We say, let's just put a pause on this law going into effect. We'll study it, and then if it is unconstitutional, then we will strike it down. But in the meantime, people can still have the rights that they are entitled to under Roe v. Wade.
3: Governor Whitmer held tight to her claim that she will not call for statewide mask mandates for schools, despite many counties implementing their own and COVID numbers ticking up due to the Delta variant. It's a much different approach than the one she took in the earlier days of the pandemic, and Paul W. Smith asked her, what's changed?
10: We're in a very different place now, and certainly uh, have had, it's been contentious, it's been difficult. Uh, we've had a lot of lawsuits, and uh, some of those same powers aren't, aren't available, some are But the fact of the matter is, the biggest change is that every one of us can avail ourselves of a vaccine now. You are able to walk in most places and just get a vaccine immediately. We're uh, over 65% of our population is vaccinated. But when you talk about 12 to 15 year olds, we're only around 40%. And that's why we're really encouraging the local public health departments to be working with school districts and parents to get these kids vaccinated Obviously, kids under 12 aren't yet eligible, and that's why it's so important that they are masking up and that all the adults around them are vaccinated, and that's why we all have to continue to avail ourselves of the science, which is a mask is still an important implement we should be using when we're inside, and that means all students, but it also means getting vaccinated, which is free. Uh, It works, and when we see who's getting hospitalized, it is overwhelmingly the unvaccinated, and that's why important for us to encourage people to to go get vaccinated
8: doctors are calling it the virus of the unvaccinated matter of fact and those are doctors that's not a political statement those are doctors that are saying that from what they're seeing and what they're experiencing
3: dr matthew sims infectious disease expert from beaumont health had some sobering news about coronavirus the delta variant and the vaccine for steve courtney on the mitch album show
1: I don't think we're ever going to completely get rid of it at this point. Not until we have a real breakthrough in a vaccine type or a real breakthrough in some sort of a treatment. Um, I don't think we're ever going to, we're going to be getting rid of it. What we need to do is be able to manage it, to get it as low as possible. We need treatments that work. We have treatments. They only do so much right now. Right. And we, what, what we really need to do, you know, again, right now, there's three reasons that, you know, cases are up and breakthroughs are up. You know, one reason is Delta. Delta is worse. It spreads faster, and it looks like that the the vaccines lose some activity against Delta, right? So that's right. one thing. They're still active. They're just not as good. So that's one. Number two is now we're, you know, nine months or so after people have gotten vaccinated, And we may be seeing some waning of the antibody levels, which may or may not be affecting this. We really still don't know that, which is why, you know, just pushing for a booster shot might help, might not help as much as we hope. That's what they're trying to figure out right now. And that's why there's so much debate about booster shots. And the third reason is because, you know, people are 18 months, as you said, into this pandemic. People are tired. People want to get together with their friends. People want to get together for weddings. People want to get together to go see the game, like you suggested. Um, And people don't want to wear masks if they don't have to. And we got to the point before Delta really hit where the CDC said, it's okay if you're vaccinated to take off the masks because the vaccine is working really well. Well, it was working really well against Alpha, which is what was throughout the country before. Right. But Delta, it doesn't, things change. It's a virus, it changes. And it's going to change again. What we really need to happen with the vaccine, so Pfizer and Moderna and J&J, they're all working on a Delta-specific version of the vaccine, right? They're talking about boosters, but they're all working on a vaccine that's a little different from the one we've already gotten, that's more specific to delta and so it will get back all that activity against delta and that should bring it back to the 95 plus percent now the problem is like i said there's there's others lined up behind delta what's the next variant going to (laughs) be so what we need to do is be able to move these through faster the way we do with flu shots right now you know where we say okay the vaccine works. We know the strain changes year to year. We're going to, every year, we're, or maybe less than every year in the beginning of this, we're going to change the, to match the variant, and we're going to get it out there. And hopefully we have enough knowledge about the way the vaccine works and the way the vaccine, you know, can potentially cause side effects, et cetera, et cetera, that we can move it faster and not need a one-year long 40,000 patient study every right. time we want to change that vaccine. We need to get this vaccine to the level where we have the flu shot where we can change it and get a new one out rapidly. They'll do it for Podsui
3: this week for full interviews or anything else you might have missed. Visit the greatvoice.com. See you next time.